Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. And last last Thursday night, we looked at really anybody that is not a pre-tribulationist may read this verse out of context and read it as let us watch for the day of the Lord. And so we talked about that last week and it gives them the meaning that somehow we're going to go through some or part or midway through this tribulation period. But there's some final objections I want to um, overcome tonight. And one of them is, Yeah, but doesn't the context imply that we need to look for the day of the Lord? And we certainly do have strong implications and we have weak implications. We see that in our own lives. We see that through the Bible. But we already looked at the specific context of wakeful living. We looked at that last week. And so we need to ask ourselves, finally, does watch imply Daytime or day living, or does watch imply looking for or watching for the day of the Lord? I would submit to you that if there's any implication in the verses at all, the implication is for our watchful living. Stay awake and live as a Christian. Don't look for signs. I'd submit to you as that is the pretty obvious implication if we want to make a strong implication. Number two, a second objection is, yeah, but doesn't the day of the Lord, isn't it mentioned in verse two? It is mentioned in verse two. The Bible says, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh, so cometh as a thief in the night. We parked here a little bit last week, but careless Bible study will cause us to read into passages. We have all done this at one time of our lives or another. So we can't assume that it means or we can't assume that it says watch for the day of the Lord. We have to read verse two and we have to ask the right right question. And I believe the right question would be this. What do I as a believer? Or how do I as a believer? How do you as a believer fit into this? How do we fit into this context? Because we can read it, but we have to ask. Am I looking or am I living? Should I be looking for signs so that I'm not surprised? Or should I be living for Christ and looking to please God and live worthy of the path that I am on, that God saved me and put me on? And I really believe the context leads us down a a one-way path, a one-way road, if you will. Look at verses 1 through 3. But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. What do we have in verses one through three? Those people that are in darkness. Verses one through three are the night people. Guess what their future is? Destruction. Verses four and five, look, but ye brethren are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye 
are all the children of light and the children of day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. You see that word, but that conjunction, but that connecting word. What are we? We're not the darkness people. We're not the night people. We're the children of the day. We are not in darkness. Verses six through eight, we see, therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, for in helmet the hope of salvation. And that therefore, when that starts off again, we got another conjunction. And what does verses six through eight tell us? Tells us to live like a child of the light, live like day people. Look at verse nine and ten. Four. The last conjunction of the of, of this set of verses, verse number four and five start with but verses six through eight. Therefore, verses nine and ten for God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. What do we say? Verse one through three is it shows the future of what? The they people. Remember last week or what week and a half ago, we ran the, the pronoun distinctions. Their future is what? Destruction. Verses 9 and 10, what is our future? Salvation. Our future is not destruction. And these conjunctions, this but, this therefore, this for, they're connecting words. They set the flow. We miss the flow. We miss how it all connects together. Now, let's go back and read verse number two. The Bible says, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Do I need to watch out for a thief? No, I don't need to watch out for a thief. I'm focused on living. I'm a child of the day. You are a child of the day. You're not to be concerned with a thief coming. Does anybody do this? It's the middle of the day. Lock, lock the doors. Stand at the windows. Lock the windows. Stand at the windows. Watch for the thief. Nobody does that because the thief isn't going to strike during the day. When is a thief going to strike? At night, we lock our doors. We shut our windows and. It's night people. We're not night people. We are day people. Thieves strike at night. Guess what I'm doing during the day? Working. Guess what you're doing, doing during the day? You're working. You're doing your job. What's your job? To live for God. Stay soberly awake and stay on the clock. I am not worrying about a thief and neither do you. You don't have to worry about a thief. Now we parked on this a little bit more specifically two lessons ago, I think it was. They should know the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief. Why wouldn't they? Do you know how many day of the Lords are in the Old Testament? That's pretty obvious for them to know about that day. By the way, we know about that day, but we don't have to worry about the thief because we're not in the darkness, we're in light, we're not children of the 
of the night with children of the day. We don't have to worry about a thief coming. Our destination is different. What are we looking for? Titus chapter 2 says we are looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and Savior, our Lord, of that great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. No danger of the thief because I'm safe. Children of the day, children of the light. Our destination is a rapture to meeting in the air. Why am I living? Am I living to avoid a thief? No, I'm not. I'm not living to avoid the surprise of the thief coming. I don't buy 50 acres out in the middle of nowhere because I'm worried about the surprise of the thief coming. I'm not canning and trying to dry out vegetables and vacuum seal food because I'm a child of the day, a child of the day. And you get these contrasts down and you see the di distinctions in the pronouns. It really starts to come to light a lot easier. I want to live for Christ and I'm looking to please God. And I would submit to you, look to live for God. Let, look to please Christ. And live worthy of the road that he put you on. And he didn't put you on to be worried about a thief coming. Children of the darkness, children of the night, destruction. Children of the day, children of the light, rapture. Two different, two different destinations, two different roads. Everybody see in the passage. Um, darkness contrasting light. See that in verse 5, children of the light, nor of darkness. We see night contrasting day. We see thief, no thief. We see destruction contrasting salvation. We are safe. Verse 10, look, who died for us. Verse number 10. That whether we wake or sleep, we should do what? Live together with him. We are safe. We are raptured. Where do we get? Look, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 14. Watch how it ties into verse 10 of 2 Thessalonians. If you want to turn back and read it with me. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, Will God bring with him? Look at verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Look at verse 10 in chapter 5. Whether we wake or whether we sleep, we should live together with him. That is our destination, safety through the road of the rapture. Verse 14 and verse 17 in chapter 4, you can tie right into verse 10 in chapter number 5. Whether we wake or sleep, we have a road and a destination that we're on that's safe. It's a road of safety. 
The third objection comes up and says, yeah, but don't we have to at least be aware of signs? Shouldn't we be looking for signs? No. We obtain salvation. We don't need to be looking for signs. We need to be looking for the blessed hope. Our eyes and our direction is upward, which causes us to want to live a life worthy of the road that we're called on. Now, we're going to be with Christ when the thief comes. You can mark that down. But verse number four, when it says, but ye brethren are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. That's for them. Verse four is for the them. It's not for the us. It's not for the brethren. It's not for the ye. It's not for us. There's no destruction. Why look for it? Now, if you're an unbeliever, whether you look for it or don't look for it, is it going to change your outcome? No, because the thief's coming. It's not going to stop their destruction. It's not predicated upon you looking or you not looking. If you're awake and living for Christ, do you think that's going to stop or delay the rapture for us? It isn't. The only thing that is holding back the rapture of the church, it's just God's timing. But when it happens, do any of us want to be caught doing something? You want to be caught up doing something in the, in the middle of something you ought not be doing? I don't. <laughs> and I wouldn't encourage it for anybody. So our admonition is to live wakefully, be soberly awake, and live for him. And what is Paul doing in this entire chapter for us as believers? Look at verse number 11. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. Paul, he is under the Holy Spirit's inspiration, is edifying our Christian living. Rapture is going to happen whether or not you're ready or you're not ready. Ready. Whether you're living for him or whether you're not living for him. That makes sense? All right, get second, Peter. Let's look to passages of scripture. Handle, I guess, one more objection. Second Peter chapter number three. <clears throat> Looking for second Peter chapter number three, and we'll get verse number 12. Here's something to look for. Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Are we doing that now? No. <laughs> Because that's going to occur a thousand years after the coming Christ's second coming. But that's certainly something uh, that is clear looking. <laughs> Except right now, we ain't looking for that. But that certainly does give us something to look for. 
And it's something that's so far in the future, it's so far beyond. That doesn't matter if you're pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, pre-wrath. It doesn't matter what position you take. We can all agree that this is something we're going to be looking for, but it's going to be a thousand years after Christ returns. Revelation chapter number six. One more. and We'll get back to first Thessalonians five. Revelation chapter number six, verse number nine. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? You know where these souls are? They're in heaven. You know what they're looking at? They're looking for destruction. <laughs> if you want to make the implication to look for something, we can look. But these two examples of us looking, we're going to be looking from heaven. Our road isn't destruction at all. No part of it. We get to heaven. We're going to be with the Lord. This is something that we're going to be looking for. It's going to happen much, much, much later. Now, the pattern of how we live is the focus of First Thessalonians chapter 5, at least for us as believers. And in First Thessalonians chapter number 5, look at verse number 12. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. And be at peace among yourselves. This pattern of how we should live as believers. We see in these two verses. Really the respect. That's given to God given authority. And. How it's comforting. How it's edifying. How it's working. How it's a model of how a church should be. What's that word beseech mean? It means to urge. And then. You see how it says here. Um, to know them which labor among you, don't be a stranger. And those of you that are here tonight, you're not strangers. But we inculcate that. The, the pillars of the church is the old saying. It's the folks that are always here every time the doors are open. And they inculcate that pattern. To know them, to know the leaders of the church, to know who's, in, who's involved, to know who the pastor is. Not to be cold and indifferent to him. And also not to be a stranger when he preaches, which the Thursday night crowd isn't. But that is inculcated into those that are coming and faithful. They're here every time that the doors are open. In other words, come to the church house. Notice also in that, look at that over and among. Both are there which labor among you. So he should be among the people. And then are over you. And it's only in the Lord because that's the only way it would work. It's in spiritual matters. 
And it must be subject to who? Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ isn't my Lord and my King, then all I'm going to do is just Lord over you. You've seen this before. Some of you have been in church longer than I've been saved. (laughs) You've seen this go down before in different situations throughout your, your life, whether on a news flash, a news story, or whether in a church you are at where the preacher's just high on not lordship salvation, lordship ruling. And that's just not the way that the Bible defines it. You don't lord over. You are taking oversight. Yes, you're over, but in what? In the Lord. Somebody that has no control of his emotions. Somebody that's just a spaz and all over the place. That's not good. That's not good. That's just, that's not oversight. And have some oversight, have some self-control. You want to make sure it's in the Lord. Matter of fact, anything we do, if it isn't in the Lord, it's just one big vanity show. And then we see the among. And The preacher isn't required to make every birthday party that goes on, goes on. And he's, you know, but at the same time, if the preacher is in to preach and out when the preaching's over and doesn't spend any time with the people, what is that? No wonder nobody wants to come. There needs to be an among balanced with an oversight. And that's a good biblical balance. He just can't let things run haywire. And What do we see in verses 12 and 13? The same context that we see for us as believers through that chapter. The way we live. The way we live. It says the labor. Public ministry is a labor. Visiting is a labor. Studying is a labor. Keeping your own mind right is a labor. It's a labor. Uh, Just a a funny thing I thought you'd get a kick out of when the Bible says um, you can't take the Lord out of it. We we beseech, uh, know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord. You can't take the Lord out. It's got to be in the Lord or it won't work. But you got all these message preachers using this message Bible. I thought this was funny. Here's what the message says. And now, friends. We ask you to honor those leaders who work so hard for you and have been given the responsibility of urging and guiding you along in your obedience. Overwhelm them with appreciation and love. I got a question. Where's the in the Lord? Completely taken out and not even hinted at at their false perversion. Not even there. But hey. You can get a copyright and sell millions of copies, deceive people and make some money. But I'm not suggesting that because the Lord's not in it. And you want to be in the Lord. You want to be in a place where the Lord's in it. You yourself want to be in the Lord. And then the thing will work. Other than that, all you have is a social club. There's plenty of social clubs. The Lord's not there, but people feel good. People feel good. I don't know if I make people feel good or feel bad. I guess it depends on 
I don't know. Sometimes you feel good. Sometimes you feel bad. I mean, isn't that the truth? <laughs> sometimes you preach a good message. Sometimes you don't preach a good message. You can't knock it out of the park every time. But we're among each other. And the model here is we're comforting ourselves and edifying one another. And it all has to do with the way that we live. And it also says um, admonish, admonish. That's to teach through warning. Sometimes it's warning of danger. It's, it's teaching through caution. It's admonishing is compelling you of the truth. Go to Colossians chapter number three, if you would. And verse number 16, you all know this verse. Colossians 3, 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. You know, the songs that we sing out of the hymnal, any spiritual song, any psalm, any hymn that we sing, it can admonish us. The songs teach us, they admonish us. And you don't need preaching for it. That's pretty good, I thought. That's pretty good. There's some admonishing when we sing. And that's what the Bible commands us as believers. And what is that tied to? It's tied to the way we live. Admonishing one another. There's that one anothering or that amongness again. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And notice at the end of the verse, who is it to? The Lord. It's to the Lord. And if you're in 1 Thessalonians 5, if what you're doing is in the Lord, your singing will be to the Lord. And too many times we just leave the Lord out. But it all has to do with how we live. Is the Lord in it? Is it to the Lord? That's the most important thing. For us, look at verse number 13. And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. And it doesn't stop there. Be at peace among yourselves. What does being at peace mean? Well, at least in the, in the broad context that we're talking about tonight, it's how we live. <laughs> it's, how, it's how we live. Want to have a peaceful assembly? I do. That settling feeling of peace when you come into a place and there's just like that, that night, nice buzz of just peace and harmony. That's what God wants. That's how the pattern should go. Verse number 14. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble minded. That might be me. Support the weak. Be patient. Toward all men. All men. Guess what all means? <laughs> yeah, we like to use that on certain doctrines and leave it out on other doctrines, don't we? <laughs> I mean, you can preach that pretty hard right here on patience. Does all mean all? All means all, all the time. Amen. Okay. 
Well, then be patient toward all men, even the ones I don't like. Yeah, apparently so, because all would mean all. I mean, it's not just to an elect group that I've deemed to be worthy of me. <laughs> no, it's the ones that wear you out more than the other ones that don't wear you out that you are willing to show some patience for because they just haven't really gotten under your skin that bad yet. All of them. All of them. Be patient. But all that made all in Romans 5, <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Yeah. Um, I had forgotten three things in one day and I was going to use it as an analogy of, as for the feeble minded except I forgot what I what I forgot I had I went somewhere that, what did I do you remember what I did it was a big thing it's just too many of them to count it'll come to me and I'll say it but this, just on the point of being being feeble-minded, they're really they're really good. I'll remember them and I'll tell you. If I don't remember them now, I'll remember them later and tell you later. I'll write them down. But when you see in verse 14, warning them they're unruly, supporting the weak, all of that has to do with wakeful and watchful living. The context of what Paul is trying to get us to get a hold of on how we live our lives. To sum it up, here's what we need. We need to have excellent leadership. We need to have excellent church assembling members. And that will give us an excellent local assembly. And we'll be following the model that's put forth right here as we come to a close, as we start winding down in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.